Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen, and thank you for joining us. We are here every Thursday night to discuss polygamy and to help our viewers better understand Mormon fundamentalism. And tonight we're going to uh, discuss the fact that it was Mormon President John Taylor who is the author of today's polygamy groups. From 1833 through 1844, Joseph Smith took for himself 33 plural wives, making a total of 34 wives, which included Emma, his only legal wife, and also between 1833 and 1843, several other Mormon men in the inner circle of Mormonism also took plural wives, but polygamy was denied publicly while secretly it flourished. In 1843, Joseph Smith finally put in writing the revelation that is now De Doctrine and Covenants section 132, which sets forth plural marriage as a revelation and a command from God. Plural marriage was called celestial marriage. Now the Mormons did not publicly preach plural marriage until 1852 after they had migrated to Utah. And Orson Pratt was the first person who publicly preached the Mormon doctrine of plural marriage as being essential for the exaltation of the Mormon people. During the following years, there was a lot of pressure that was exerted against Mormon polygamy, including from the government. After all, polygamy was illegal. But the Mormons refused to ban polygamy until 1890. Well, John Taylor was the third president of the Mormon church, and he was a polygamist in hiding because he lived plural marriage. He correctly guessed that politically the Mormon church would cave under pressure and ultimately give up their treasured practice of polygamy. In 1884, John Taylor said, and I quote, God has given us a revelation in regard to celestial marriage. I did not make it. He has told us certain things pertaining to this matter, and they would like us to tone that principle down and change it and make it applicable to the views of the day. This we cannot do, nor can we interfere with any of the commands of God to meet the persuasions or behests of men. I cannot do it and will not do it. I find some men try to twist round the principle in any way and every way they can. They want to sneak out of it in some way. So you can see that John Taylor was against uh, changing the doctrine of polygamy. A few months later, in May of 1885, uh, George Q. Cannon, who was one of Taylor's counselors, said this about being pressured to give up polygamy, and I quote, Unless the saints apostatize, such an action on their part is impossible. By doing so, that's giving up polygamy, they would deliberately shut the door of the celestial glory in their own faces. Well, as history has clearly tells us, they did cave in to all the pressure, they did give up polygamy, and the Mormon church did fall into apostasy. 
third president, John Taylor, while he was in hiding, claimed he had a vision in 1886, which becomes the origin and the authority of today's Mormon fundamentalists. And we're going to be talking about that tonight with our guest, True Ott. He is a former LDS member. He has been our guest in the past, and together we are going to present some interesting information surrounding this 1886 revelation that very few people are actually familiar with. So to get started, I would like to introduce and welcome back to the show our guest, True Ott. Thank you, Doris. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. This is a, oh golly, it's a hot, hot <laughs> topic. And there's so much ignorance about it, as we talked before the show. Mm -hmm. Not even uh, the mainstream church is ignorant about it, but as you said, so are the, the fundamentalists, many the polygamists. They, they really mm -hmm. don't understand yeah, this. There's, there's many of them who don't know it, anything about it's it. It's a huge, huge story. It really and, is. And it's an important story to find out what their roots are, so to speak. So, so Joseph Smith is the founder of Mormon polygamy, but what many people don't know is that John Taylor's the founder of the Mormon fundamentalists, and that's what we're going to discuss tonight. Right. I'd like to quote something from Heber C. Kimball, which I think shows to be really quite uh, interesting in regards to who has, <laughs> who has the keys. Heber C. Kimball warned that God would raise up a people prepared to live plural marriage if the mainline church failed to do it. And this is what he said in the Journal of Discourses, and I quote, Many of this people have broken their covenants by finding fault with the plurality of wives and trying to sink it out of existence. But you cannot do that. God will cut you off and, notice this, raise up another people that will carry out His purposes in righteousness unless you walk up to the line in your duty. It's exactly what happened. He well, said He'd raise up another people to do it. Indeed, but see, we need to be real careful here because polygamy is just flat out wrong. Oh, well, we're it, not it, saying it, it's, right. it's yeah, right. We're just it's, giving a little of their own history. Right. It's, <laughs> it's illegal for a very good reason. It, it, it makes slaves of women, mm -hmm. ultimately, and children, and, mm -hmm. children. And, and you know that from your experience better than anybody, Doris. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, there's, uh, when you talk, your, your first question was, when is a revelation a revelation? When is he speaking as a man, or when is he speaking as prophet? And the key to that is, uh, as we were taught in primary, is, or even young adults, or all the way through the LDS, it's, it's only, a prophet only speaks as a prophet when he says, thus saith the Lord. Does he have a thus saith the Lord revelation? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's exactly what John Taylor that's what he uh, said. That's what he said happened. Mm -hmm. so. so John Taylor's in Centerville. He's hiding from the authorities. And he was living in the home of John C. Woolley in Centerville. And it was during that time uh, he had petitioned the Lord and he, about giving up polygamy. And uh, he had a vision. And right. God's answer to him was, no, you don't give up polygamy. Okay, so uh, we, what we want you to do is, uh, in this vision of 1886, uh, maybe you can read it, to, uh, and, well, yeah. and uh, to, we'll talk about it to our viewers so they'll know what we're talking about Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Before that, let's get a little bit, of, little bit of a background. He's in hiding because, as I understand it, he had arrest warrants out for him mm -hmm. because uh, the federal agents were, were trying to, to, to arrest him and prosecute him. And, for and living polygamy. For, for jail time. Right. A lot of the... The Council of the Twelve were also in hiding, many of them down in southern uh, Arizona into Mexico even. Mm -hmm. So this was, this was a, a tough time. Imagine here 
John Taylor, again, Mormon history shows John Taylor was there at Carthage Jail, witnessed, right, he miraculously uh, had, a, had the, his watch stop the bullet in, in his vest pocket. He was right there in, in harm's way. Mm -hmm. So here he is hiding out, wondering, you know, there's, there's a lot of people saying we should give this up because we can't survive as a church with, you know, because all of the federal agents are against, against us. And of course, economically, you had to look for the, the, the benefits of statehood. A lot of people really wanted statehood. Mm -hmm. In absolutely, fact, they did. And so, yeah, there was absolute, absolutely no way statehood would, would be granted unless the polygamy was, was, was abandoned that publicly. That was the condition. That was the condition. And mm -hmm. so it was an economic uh, uh, movement. And so here's, I, I'm just trying to picture myself in, in, as John Taylor in this dilemma. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he, he was, as hiding out, he, was, he said, what, you know, Lord, what do I do? Yeah, and that's what he said. Exactly. And that's when he had this vision. So why don't you read uh, some of the, what he said about his, his uh, vision was consisted of. The date he wrote down, and this is again in his own handwriting, September 27th of the year 1886. Mm -hmm. And here is what he wrote that he received from the, uh, the person that he claimed was Jesus Christ that mm -hmm. actually visited him in, in Centerville. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, this is what he wrote, and I quote, My son John, you have asked me concerning the new and everlasting covenant and how far it is binding upon my people. Here's the key. Thus saith the Lord, mm -hmm. all commandments that I give must be obeyed by those calling themselves by my name. This would be the, the saints, the, the Latter-day Latter Saints. Mm -hmm unless they are revoked by me or by my authority. Now, who had the authority? He had the keys, he according, the, you know, he, he, he had directly from Brigham Young, right? Mm -hmm. Or by my authority, and how can I revoke an everlasting covenant? There you go. For I, the Lord, am everlasting, and my covenants cannot be abrogated nor done away with, but they stand forever. Have I not given my word in great plainness on this subject? This is section 132 mm -hmm. he's talking about. That's right. Nevertheless, I, the Lord, do not change, and my word and my covenants and my law do not. I have not revoked this law, nor will I, for it is everlasting, and those who will enter into my glory must obey the conditions thereof. Even so, amen. Now, that's God was clear. That's a, he would not revoke polygamy. Exactly. And that's what the that's what this vision was all about. Now again, I want to point out <coughs> that the timing of this, the date, is 1886. Mm -hmm. Now Wilford Woodruff succeeded John Taylor, and just four years later, the manifesto was issued. We're, we're going to talk about that mm -hmm. as well. In a little bit, yeah. But but you know the timing here is so incredible because of the movement of uh, of statehood. It had, it, it had to, either statehood was granted or polygamy. They had to choose. Had to be one or the other. One or the other. Mm -hmm, and that's right. So. And according to several accounts, uh, Lawrence C. Woolley wrote uh, some information about this as well. 
that next morning, he had that meeting, uh, a vision all night, where supposedly Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ both appeared to him. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next morning, after breakfast, there was an eight-hour meeting where there were 14 people who attended this meeting with John Taylor. There were 12 men and two women. And Taylor announced during that eight-hour meeting the next day that he would not sign any manifesto that gave up polygamy. He said he would rather have his right arm cut off <laughs> Or, or his tongue ripped out from the roots from his mouth before he would ever uh, sanction giving up the celestial marriage, which of course was polygamy. And after that meeting or during that meeting, John Taylor called, and this is the key to the Mormon fundamentalists. John Taylor set aside five Mormon men. He set them apart. He placed them under covenant that while they lived, they would see to it that no year ever passed by that a child was not born under the covenant of plural marriage. These five men were given authority to carry on the work uh, and they were in turn given the authority to ordain others to also seal people in plural marriage. All five of these men were given a copy of the revelation and of their ordination and it was reported by Lawrence C. Woolley at that time that John Taylor was enveloped in light. He had all this light surrounding him. And Joseph Smith was there, he said, directing the meeting. He said it's the first time he ever met Joseph Smith. And he and Charles Wilkins shook hands with Joseph Smith wow. at that time. And John Taylor would rise from the floor and then he'd go back and then rise supernaturally, I guess, during this eight-hour meeting. Now, the fundamentalists claim their sealing authority for plural marriage based exactly from the ordinations of this meeting. Now, John Taylor's the president. He gets to do these things. And three months later, he allegedly, uh, after he allegedly had this vision, <clears throat> allegedly because I'm doubting the whole thing, but President John Taylor took to himself another plural wife, 26-year-old Josephine Roosh. He was 83 years old, more than three times her age. Imagine the joys that she got to spend her marriage bed with a man over three times her age. That's incredible. That's incredible. So, and then again, back to the manifesto, when Wilford Woodruff became president, he caved in. He signed the manifesto. See, that's, that's what I haven't been able to, to figure out uh, in my research, to find out who was really behind, who's the they that John Taylor would reference in the Journal of Discourses, as you said earlier in the quote was, was brought up. Who were, who were they that were so intent on having this manifesto, this de declaration made? It would be the political Again, move yeah, it's, behind. It's, 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 I, it has to be businessmen that has financial interests, really. Of and political, because political, the federal government was absolutely. giving a lot of pressure. And so, yeah, you, you see this, this whole thing uh, evolving from 1886 to 1890 when, when Wilford Woodruff signed this manifesto. Now, most mainstream and FLDS uh, people are, are, are in agreement. This is this is the the area where there was a real division. Mm -hmm. It was it was. I, I've talked to FLDS people, and you and you and with your background, you know that the FLDS look upon themselves as the wheat, and the mainstream as the tares. Right. Is the separation time. Mm -hmm. And wow! Um, and, and based on this, based they on they believe they have the priesthood authority. They have a good claim to and, it, and they do have a claim to it, absolute claim to it. And the LDS Church doesn't because they gave up this. Thus saith the Lord um, yeah. covenant. So many many mainstream LDS really haven't even read the manifesto, 
it wasn't really a thus saith Lord revelation. No, it wasn't. Why don't you, why don't yeah. you, we've got to put it on the screen. Let's you do can. it. Let's, let's read it. Uh, here, it's, a, it's like a letter, a public letter. It's, a, it's to whom it may concern. May concern. <laughs> I mean, okay, this is, this is really uh, eye-opening to me. He, uh, he writes, this is Wil Wilford Woodruff in the year 1890, to whom it may concern, quote, press dispatches allege that plural marriages have been contracted in Utah since last June or during the past year, that the leaders of the church have taught, encouraged, and urged the continuance of the practice of polygamy. I, therefore, as president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, do hereby in the most solemn manner declare that these charges are false. <laughs> We are not teaching polygamy or plural marriage, nor permitting any person to enter into its practice. And I deny that either 40 or any other number of plural marriages have during that period been solemnized in our temples or in any other place in the territory. <coughs> Notice territory, not state. Mm -hmm. Inasmuch as laws have been enacted by Congress forbidding plural marriages, which laws have been pronounced constitutional by the court of last resort, the Supreme Court, Right. Okay, I hereby declare my intention to submit to those laws, to use my influence with the members of the church over which I preside, to have them do likewise. And I now publicly declare that my advice mm -hmm. to the Latter-day Saints is to refrain from contracting any marriage forbidden by the law of the land. Signed, Wilford Woodruff, President of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. Now, <laughs> I'm sorry, Doris, but this sounds like some, uh, an attorney wrote this letter. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's like, okay, we're going to put on a public face. Nowhere in this manifesto did he ever declare this is from God, from God that it is to be done away That's with it, right. that God changed and, and, his mind. And you can find it in the LDS scriptures too, by the way, as, um, as a declaration, not as a revelation yes. at all. And it was voted, Lorenzo Snow presented it, and it was voted on by the LDS assembly in October 6th of 1890, but it wasn't honored. It wasn't honored. Do, despite their promises uh, to, not su to, to submit to the law, they continued performing plural marriages. There were 262 women sealed in polygamous marriages and 220 different men involved between 1990, which is when he did 1890? this, 1890, excuse me, and December of 1910. Yeah. And they, and they were men of the leadership of the church, too. They weren't just some podunk guy who decided he was going to do yeah, this. It's, it's like, okay, we're, we're going to put on a public facade yeah. and we're going to make it appear this way because, you know, the end justifies the means. We need statehood. Then, we, you know, mm -hmm. and we need it just to diffuse this, put these federal bloodhounds off our right, track. Right, right. That's exactly what happened. It's clear, to, it's clear if you do the research it's, that it didn't really stop. Yeah, yeah. No, it didn't. And it so didn't the question stop. is, makes, begs to be asked, is it okay to lie publicly for the Lord? Well, yeah, there's a history of that, <laughs> history going of back that. from the right. very beginning. Now, there were witnesses that were actually there when, when Joseph, or, uh, John Taylor uh, cl claimed the 1886 revelation. And after jo John Taylor died, um, Abraham Cannon writes in his journal uh, that John W. Taylor, who, who is John Taylor's son, mm -hmm. 
he said this after John, after the present John Taylor died, quote, Among my father's papers I found a revelation given him of the Lord, which is now in my possession, in which the Lord told me that the principle of plural marriage would never be overcome. John Taylor's wife also said, and I quote, President John Taylor was in hiding the night of September 26, 1886, when he received a revelation concerning the principle and set men apart to continue it regardless of what the church might do officially on the matter. So we, we don't just have one person here and there saying it. We've got witnesses who are, who are saying that this actually took place. It did. It did. And so what's, a, what's amazing to me is this continues kind of quietly for a period of about 40 years. I'm talking about this being John Taylor's revelation. Mm -hmm. And it, it, in 1933, I believe, finally President Heber J. Grant comes out publicly and denounces it as, as a pretended thing. Yeah, a pretended revelation, yeah. he, he if, calls if, it. If this was really pretended, why wait 40 years for it? To be, to be official. Well, that, that's, <laughs> a, that's really a good question. Um, we have a, a copy that we want to put on the screen of John Taylor's written revelation, and we're going to be talking about oh, that a little bit later, but if we can put that on the screen right now, which is John Taylor's written revelation of his, in his own handwriting of this vision that he claimed that he had stating that the plural marriage would stay and that it was not going to be done away with. Um, and we're going to talk about your experience with that in just a little bit. But first, why don't you read what Heber J. Grant said? Right, but for, yeah, that, that, that picture that was on there, it, it's not uh, rocket science to have handwriting experts come in, and I understand that has been done, mm -hmm. not by the mainstream LDS, but by the, the FLDS down in Colorado City. They have uh, a number of, of handwriting analysis, they claim, the three or four experts that say, yeah, this is, this is not pretended this is real mm -hmm. this is his writing mm -hmm. okay so here's <laughs> here's this is in Deseret News the church section of Deseret News dated June 18th of 1933 and this is this is the, the primary excerpt of it's quite a lengthy it was a long, a long thing we don't have time that Heber J Grant wrote officially right, as the officially. president uh, but here's the here's the the salient point and maybe it'll come up on the screen uh-huh here it is quote Furthermore, so far as the authorities of the church are concerned, and so far as the members of the church are concerned, since this pretended revelation, if ever given, was never presented to and adopted by the church or by any council of the church, and since to the contrary an inspired rule of action, the manifesto, Inspired rule of action. <laughs> rule of action. Okay. Not a revelation. Now, he didn't say revelation. <laughs> rule of action was subsequently to the pretended revelation presented to and adopted by the church, which inspired rule in its terms, purport, and effect was directly opposite to the interpretation given to the pretended revelation. The said pretended revelation could have no validity and no binding effect and force upon church members, and action under it would be unauthorized, illegal, and void." End quote. Now, here's the problems with this. First of all, it's, it's dated 1933. 
close, you know, 40 some odd years uh -huh. after it happened. Now, the, the, the obvious problem with this is John Taylor was in hiding, as mm -hmm. were the council, I mean, the council of the 12 were scattered. They mm -hmm. were under federal indictment. That's right. They couldn't, they couldn't possibly have, have formed a council. They couldn't have presented it. They were in hiding, and then John Taylor passes away shortly thereafter. So it's easy to say this is pretended because it was not set in council, but it was impossible to be in council at that point. It was, it was a, a time but, of, of turmoil. But isn't the president of the LDS Church prophet, seer, and revelator? When, I mean, isn't this something? Again, the key words is, thus saith the Lord. Right. Sign that. You know, what you have to identify is, is that letter in handwriting really his handwriting? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I submitted it is. It was, mm -hmm. in fact. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, I guess the point now becomes, well, should we all be polygamists or not? <laughs> no. Well, according, now I, we, and that's what we're talking about right. tonight, because John Taylor, based on this revelation, 1886 revelation, is the father of the Mormon fundamentalists. They took that, and they, they went, you can take it right like a, 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 an ancestral tree and take all of the, today's polygamy groups right straight back through, and it stops at John Taylor and then Joseph Smith. Ex exactly. The fundamentalists are, are came from this revelation of John Taylor's. You know, if, if it's okay, I, let me let me tell what happened to me back in the 1980s. Yes, tell okay? us about that. Because I, I, and I, I was a return missionary, just got back and and uh, married a, my sweetheart in in the Manti Temple. We're starting a family, and we were attending. Uh, we were both uh, um, down at Cedar City, attending Southern Utah University, and. I had a I had a number of, of, of different jobs, one of which was driving school bus. Mm -hmm. And on one occasion, I, I was assigned to take a, a football trip to St. George, the bus down. And there was two buses. The other bus driver was a, a fellow from Colorado City, a name, last name of Barlow. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't the most popular <laughs> bus yeah, driver because, sure. you know, <laughs> he, he you know, wears the, the long sleeve shirts and everybody knows he knows where he's from. He's a polygamist, a polyg as we call him, right? Yeah. And, but, you know, as, as, you're, as you're waiting for the teams, we had a chance to sit on the bus and get to know each other a little bit and talk, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was amazed at how much we had in common, hunting and fishing. We... We loved it, and, and it, uh, it, uh, upcoming was the the Utah deer hunt. I'm a, I was, I still am an avid hunter. <laughs> I like to go out and, and chase the big bucks. But here's here's this. He says, I know where some great bucks are. I mean, and he had some pictures to show, and I just wow. He invited me to come down and and hunt with him. Mm. Well, wow. he's a he's a new friend, a new buddy, right? Yeah. And so as so what so happens during. They call it a harvest holiday. Heck, they, don't know, uh, they had an extra, you know, Monday was a holiday for the deer hunt. Mm -hmm. And and typically my, my, my sweetheart would go home to Richfield where she lived while I was out and she was a deer widow, kind mm -hmm. of, okay? So we went there and, and I went and, 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 and sure enough, there were some great places down there on the border, uh, big kaibab type of, of, of bucks. And so as I got, to, I got to like this guy. He was, he was fun. He mm -hmm. was good to talk to. But, I, but the missionary in me, you know, I'm hearing return missionary. I thought, why doesn't he come? And let me just teach him about our mainstream, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 
how he's kind of missed the boat here, yeah. and started to proselyte to him about coming back to the, the true church. Well, he invited me. He says, well, come and let me have you meet some people. And while we were down there uh, the following day, he, he, he wouldn't hunt on Sunday. He didn't, he, and so he invited me to come to his church uh -huh. uh, there. I had no idea what I was walking into. I thought, well, sure. <laughs> I, if I have the truth, which I was confident I had, I need to go witness to him, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I basically did that, and, and I met his father. His name was John Barlow, mm -hmm. and he happened to be in the upper, you know, leadership of the time. Back then in the ni early 1980s, uh, the prophet was um, um, Johnson. Mm -hmm. His last name was Johnson. Uh -huh. and, and so he, had me, he invited me to come meet the prophet. Well, to that, to that group, it was like meeting President Kimball. Yeah, you know, it was exactly. A big, it was a big thing. Exactly. It was a big thing. And uh, so uh, they called him Uncle Leroy. Right. And so we went and saw my Uncle Leroy. He was quite feeble. It was, I think he was in his 90s. Oh. But he, you know, they, they had an aura of respect for this guy. And as we were talking... Guess what? We found out we're short. We're short tell relatives. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> my my uh, father's family comes out of uh, a fellow named Joel Hills Johnson, who's he wrote a, a hymn high on the mountaintop. Oh, okay. Wow. Joel Hills Johnson is my ancestor, and come to find out, it was Uncle Leroy's brother. Or, or, there was some connection there. We were uh -huh. like, when you go back to polygamy, a lot of people are no, related. There's a lot. Yes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So I'm sitting here, wow. So suddenly I was like a lost sheep coming home to them. <laughs> and then they, they, he, he said, well, you know, we are the true wheat, and you are with the tares. Mm. Oh, mm -hmm. really? And that's the way they look at him. Yeah, and I said, well, I guess you're entitled to your opinion. He said, no, I can prove it. Yeah. I says, okay. They gave me a... They had a really nice leather-bound copy of the Journal of Discourses, and for a hundred bucks, you know, you could you, they, would, they would sell it to anybody, and it was well done. All of the, all of the the prophets, uh, from Joseph to to John Taylor, all of all of their revelations were there, mm -hmm. and their and their speeches, etc. They took me aside and they said, "We're going to show you." we have the true line of authority. Now, authority is a big thing. It is. To the Mormon church, they claim that, you know, the, that the prophet today has the, only the keys of authority. Mm -hmm. They're claiming the same thing. Exactly. Each and, polygamy group claims yeah. the same thing. And so, wow. They said, let me show you. And that's when they, they took me inside and, and they brought out, it was in some kind of a strong steel safe. Hmm. They brought out under, it was under, under glass in... in very preserved condition, just what you saw on the screen there, the handwritten, thus saith the Lord, revelation. And then they showed a line of authority from Uncle, um, Uncle Johnson, mm -hmm. Uncle Leroy, right back to John Taylor, which, of course, John Taylor to Brigham Young to Joseph Smith right. to Peter, James, and John, yada, yeah, yada. And, yeah, and it goes right straight back through the FLDS line wow, of authority I'm just, to John Taylor. I'm sitting here... Well, how do I know that's that's really his writing? How do I know this is not just some made-up thing? And then so we have forensics evidence and documents that that if if the mainstream church knew it, you know, they they respect us a lot more. 
And I said, well, I suddenly I had some respect for these people. Uh -huh. I said, wow. And so you, so you saw the written document. Yeah. It, original written document. No, I never, I couldn't handle it, but it was under well, under yeah, glass. Certainly. But they gave me a copy of it, uh -huh. you know, to say, you know, here's here's the, they gave them out, and I was sitting here, my head was spinning, quite honestly, or my head was like, wow, wow, I I, I had a new respect for my friend and the, the whole group. First of all, going to their church was like walking into uh, a really nice LDS mainstream LDS church, except for one difference, they're like all in pioneer garb. <laughs> they're ready for pioneer <laughs> they're day. They're the fundamentalists. Yeah. <laughs> and, but they had the same hymns, the same witnessing of jo uh, the fact the big picture, exactly. big, the big picture yeah. of Joseph Smith and the big picture of, of Jesus Christ. And, no, yeah. and that's, I was like, holy mackerel. I, I, I didn't know what they were all about. You didn't I, know that they I, were Mormons. Yeah. And it, instead of me witnessing to them, it was like I was had a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. And it kind of shakes you up a little bit, it doesn't it? It did. It, sh it shook my tree. Yeah. It, it did. Uh -huh. And it started Good. me questioning. And uh, So the mainline church right now, they're, they're denying, they're, they, they stick with the Heber J. Grant um, comment that, um, that this is not a true happening. It didn't really happen. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty weak. Again, let's, let's prove it. Let's get handwriting analysis. Yeah. The FLDS... Uh, though I never saw their expert, I took them at their word that they had it. It makes sense that they would have it. Mm -hmm. And um, th without a doubt, they were sincere about it. Oh, sure. So the you question in my mind at that point was, wow, um, is polygamy right? And then I had to, f to question that myself. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's not right. It's it, well, it is not right. But, you know, a lot of Mormons have left their Mormon church and gone to their fundamentalist groups simply because they've had experiences like you're just talking about. Yeah, exactly. And, and it seems like when they do that, some very dark forces enter into them, like the Lafferty's and what happened oh, with that. Oh, my goodness, yes. They start, they start having Bad these things. revelations about you either obey my word or slit your throat. Well, look atonement. at LeBaron, yeah. Yeah, LeBaron and Lafferty's. Group. Uh -huh. and, 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 you know, I, I, I saw some of that in Southern Utah. I really did. In fact, there was a, a group that were meeting and going over all these, these uh, revelations, and, and they were secretly adopting polygamy. Mm -hmm. I saw, I, 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 they asked me to come and, and join in with the group. They did ask me. What, there was one uh, medical doctor who was part of the group that was well-respected. I sat there listening with an open mind, listening to what they were saying, but there was a darkness there, Doris. There, well, it is a dark thing. There's a there's a darkness. I got this knot in my stomach. This is this is flat out wrong. Mm -hmm. And I told them so. I says, whatever spirit you're following here, brethren, it's flat out dark. It's yeah, wrong. Exactly. And then they th they threatened my life. To be, you know, it was yeah. the blood atonement thing again yeah, coming. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Well, we need to uh, break right now so that we can open up our telephone lines and take calls. If anybody wants to call in, make comments, ask questions, we'd love to hear from you. Our number is 801-973-8820-973-TV20. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you while we share our message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry.
Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen. And tonight with our guest, True Ott, we are here discussing an 1886 revelation that President John Taylor had. He said from the Lord, and supposedly Joseph Smith was with him, that they were never to give up uh, the practice of plural marriage. They called it plural marriage. They called it celestial marriage. They called it the principle. They called it priesthood blessings. They called it priesthood uh, privileges. They called it patriarchal marriages. There was a lot of cold words that they used referring to plural marriage. And God supposedly told uh, John Taylor never to give it up. So we are talking about who are the true Mormons here, the Mormon fundamentalists or the apostate church which gave up polygamy. So the fact that the LDS church denied that John Taylor uh, had this revelation, are they denying that he was actually a true prophet of God and it, it, that their leaders will never lead them astray? You know, I mean, and, and, uh, and before you answer, I need to make a comment here. Uh, to the Mormons, the polygamists are wrong. And to the polygamists, the Mormons are wrong. But according to the Bible, they're both wrong. That's right. So that's what I had to come to grips with myself. Mm -hmm. Great, oh golly, as I came back, I got to tell you what, what happened, the fallout from that. And, you know, as a, as a, as a young, newly married person, uh, the most sacred thing is your membership. And to me, it was at that mm -hmm. point. And the, very, the same week that I got back and started driving bus again, I got a phone call from my stake president in, in the college stake you know, we were going there. And I went to visit with him, and he he knew all about my visit down there. Wow! And I and I was uh, to this day I kind of it's creepy 
how he knew I went down there. Did they have spies watching this? Mm. And I was, <coughs> I, I was glad he called me in because I wanted to talk to somebody about it, about this, rep, this thing that I just saw. Mm -hmm. And uh, the anger. Mm. It was like, brother, don't you know that you know, when, you, when we recommend, uh, give you a temple recommend, this is who we're talking about when we ask the question, do you sympathize with any apostate group or sympathize with any individuals in the group? Mm. And so he says, give me your temple recommend. And I'm just, wow. oh, it was like, oh no. I, I, I almost was in tears pulling out my temple recommend and, and putting on this desk and I'm just shaking. What? Well, I didn't. And he could see that, you know, he said, well, okay, I'll hold this for a week if you promise me to cut off all correspondence with, with, your, with Mr. Barlow. No, no, you have, I mean, no nothing with wow. him. Okay, yeah, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To this day, I remember I, uh, the look on his face when he came to me. We're buddies now. Mm -hmm. He started talking, I, and I was so rude to him. I said, I don't want to talk to you ever again. Hmm. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. And he almost like, it was like I slapped him across yeah. the face, Doris. Yeah. He was like. Well, that, that's, that is a slap in well, the it's, face. And it, was, it, 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 it haunts me still yeah. to this day. How yeah. I've never treated anybody like that before. And he, my stake president, <laughs> He came back. And he knew all about that. He says, "Okay, here's your temple recommend. You did good." Oh so, <laughs> interesting. We've got some calls coming in. We got some people going to want to ask you some questions here. You it bet. looks like. So <laughs> let's get to it. Line one. We have Lori from Draper. Hello, Lori. Here. Yes, you're on the air. Thank you. What's your question? Hi, Doris. Uh, my name is Lori, and I just wanted to make a comment about um, some of the polygamy kids, that it has to be wrong. So many of their children are very sick. And I work for um, home care in Salt Lake, and it astounds me at how many mothers call and their last names are all the same, and their children are extremely sick, in diapers when they're teenagers, and the home care, they're on trace tubes, and, you know, because... It's just astounding and it's that this group has so many children that are very sick and that, you know, they well, continue, you know, because of the bloodlines, they continue well, to that's, that's true, with Lori. their cousins. And the, the bloodlines are intermixed a lot. A lot of inbreeding is going on. Plus, we have to remember that they have so many kids, there's not proper parenting going on and and money you know to supply the needs of these children there's there's a lot of wrongs that are going on in these uh, fundamentalists and and that's another reason like true said it's just a black ugly thing it's just isn't it isn't right it can't be from god no right but anyway you uh, if there are difficulties like that either family services or somebody should probably be notified right well you know they're, they're calling in to home care to get their supplies each month for their children, uh -huh. but it's just astounding at how many there are. Yeah. I don't think people realize that. I don't think they do either. You're right. It's very, very sad. It's heartbreaking. Well, thanks for calling, Lori. Hey, thank you. I, I've been watching you for a couple of years now, and uh, I, I appreciate you. Bye-bye. Well, thank you. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Good night. Okay, we have Tyson calling from Sandy. Hello, Tyson. Well, hello, Doris. Hello, how are you? I'm doing terrific. How are you doing? Good. Pretty good, pretty good. You're on the air. Well, fantastic. I just wanted to say I think that uh, 
your guest and I had some really awesome comments and stuff that, you know, uh, in fact, I wasn't even aware of some of those comments as far as offhand. I was like, wow, those, those are really, really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks, Dyson. And, so I just want to say thanks, thanks for being so prepared. That's awesome. I think, that's, I think that really helps to get the message out there. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I, I was just kind of hit by when I was listening to you guys is, uh, you know, how many people take such offense to people sharing facts. And it's not a matter of, uh, of respect or disrespect, right? Right. Because facts aren't subject to respect. They're just, facts. you know, they're just facts. It's yeah. like, I don't respect the sunset. It just is, even yeah. though it has kind of a neat spiritual and emotional quality for me. You know, it's not a matter of respect. Right. And uh, I think that people need to actually understand that what you guys are doing is an awesome thing to bring truth to light and stuff that's intentionally hidden. Right, and it's there. It's in the history. You can look it up on the online. You can get the books and articles, and you read well, the yeah, Revelation. And, it's all and there. And that's exactly why, Tyson, that, that they have this as part of the temple worthiness recommend question. It's a subject that you're just, it's taboo to talk about. I found that out the hard way myself. I understand. I was, I was excommunicated for evil speaking of the Lord's anointed. Actually, when I was uh, when I was on Doris's show in uh, January this year. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. So, yeah. but the other thing I wanted to tell you guys, I think, it's kind of an interesting thing. I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day. He says, "You know," he goes, "How many uh, you know support groups are there for people that are transitioning out of Methodists or you know <laughs> Methodism or or say Presbyterians or you know the Assembly of God? You know, get on Google, check that out." Yeah. None. That's none that we were able to identify. Maybe there are some, but none that we were able to identify. That's right. But if you go on to Mormons and, you know, fundamentalists that are transferring out of Mormonism, all kinds of programs. there are hundreds and thousands of people that feel such a need to speak out. Yeah. So an important point he made is this. Like, people, these are your friends, these are your family, these are people you've known for a long time that you've had respect for, and then all of a sudden one day they get the truth because they've been lied to and they're upset. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there's just more to these facts that Doris and Mr. Ott here are bringing to light that, you know what, maybe you really ought to take a look at stuff and figure out, have these people just gone stark raving mad? No, maybe there's more to the story there. Exactly, Indeed. good point. Thanks, Tyson, good, right good on. Good point, thank you for calling. Hey, thank uh -huh. you guys, it's uh -huh. an awesome show. Thank you, thank God you. bless. Okay, that's a good point. How many support? I've never seen one that's for a, exiting. A great point. A great point because you, you, your your mind goes into a mind warp. Uh -huh. It's like, it, you, it's and hard. You, you'll either do one of two things: you'll either uh, give up all religion and become agnostic and, and atheistic, or or you just you know, it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Thank goodness. Or you go into a spiral yeah. and you just can't can't. Okay, we have line three. Anne is calling from Magna. Hello, Anne. Yes. You're on the air. Hi, Doris. How are Hi. you tonight? Good, thank you. Uh, I was just, when we were growing up, uh, we were told that, you know, Utah wanted to become a state and the federal government would not let them because of the polygamy. And so they were sending troops in to clear up the polygamy. Then they stopped it. But they keep the marriages going in secret. They had a but they call a safe house in Bountiful and one in St. George, and they done marriages there. You know if that's true or not? It is, yes. and they also went to Mexico. That's how the Mexican uh, polygamy groups and got Canada. started. And, and Canada. And Canada, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know sure that. Did. 
Yeah, they... Oh, I learned something tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just wondered, because we grew up telling it, you know, that. So. It wasn't until actually 1904 that the mainline church itself finally decided that they would give up polygamy as a practice in the church. Oh, okay. Well, I just wondered because, we, you know, like I say, we were told that growing yeah. up and I could, they told about the safe houses they had. Yeah. So anyway, that answers my question. I appreciate uh, it. You're welcome. And Heber J. Grant, we were talking about him earlier. Uh, he denied in his uh, rebuttal of this uh, revelation, he denied that he was a polygamist. And yet he had three wives. Oh, he did. Indeed. At one time, he, had, he was a plural uh, polygamist. That whole manifesto was, like, it was lawyerly. I mean, it was lawyer-esque. <laughs> yeah. There was just, it's just not true what was being said there. It was, it was for public <laughs> dissemination. Starting out yeah. with Joseph Smith, they lied <laughs> about polygamy all the way through, and they still are. Okay, line one, Kristen is calling from Cedar City. Hello, Kristen. Hi. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Doris. Oh, hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. Good. You look awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been watching tonight, and some of the information that I grew up with was all of that about the eight-hour meeting. Mm -hmm. But some of my cousins have been doing some research and realizing that they believe, and they've been in the group, they were born and raised in it just like me, and BAB, and mm -hmm. what they're finding is that it was an, literally an alleged meeting. And um, I would love somebody to really do that handwriting expert and see which way it was, because this is what justified the polygamy for so many years. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. And um, yeah, the Woolly, Lawrence Woolley story apparently changed over and over and over again. And so it would be awesome to have some real research done, because... This is what kept all of us living it for so many, yeah, many years. It is, yeah. exactly. And, yeah, it would be neat to have some actual, not that the FLDS didn't do their work, but I would love to have somebody else there. Uh, an independent, <laughs> an independent um, analysis yes, done. an independent person, yeah. What to see if that really ever happened, too. Yeah. So, yeah. I, we, but anyway, thanks for all you're doing. Oh, thanks, Kristen. Appreciate your call. Yeah, the, the problem with okay. that, as we discussed before the show, is do they really have that original under glass revelation now? Because I, I, I remember, I'm not sure of the exact date, it was in the mid-'80s, there was, so was reports coming out of a, of a theft, a burglary, of some, 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 some of these documents. I'm assuming it was these documents. Mm -hmm. So the, the problem is maybe this doesn't exist so, to do so the analysis. Where yeah, where is it now? But there's enough copies, though. There's some good copies. Yeah, good copies. Where they could do an that's, analysis. That's good enough, yeah. Yeah. So who has the most to gain by, if this shows out to be legitimate, boy, the, the Mormon church has egg on their face. The mainstream church has real egg on their face. Oh, they'll talk themselves out of it. They do out of everything else. <laughs> um, I, I guess one of my question is... Um, 
the Mormon Church, the president, we talked about this earlier, have, they have, and so do all the polygamy groups. Their, their leader is their prophet, is mm -hmm. their revelator who speaks directly and, and hears from God. John Taylor's revelation was not accepted as though he, uh, as though it was a revelation from God. And yet some of Joseph Smith's revelations, which were more outrageous and more obnoxious than John Taylor's was, they're all accepted without question. What, you know. Well, how many revelations did John Taylor have that's in, that's in the Doctrine and Covenants? Well, the, I don't know of any. There's, there's none. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the one that that is uh, there. And it, but see, he was he was a practicing polygamist in hiding. He was mm -hmm. under federal indictment for this. If he, they caught him, he'd be serving the rest of his life in prison probably. probably. He was an elderly gentleman. Especially after he married that. 26-year-old <laughs> girl. We're getting we're getting very uh, close to the end, but we'll take this call and see if we can get that done quickly. Hello, Bill. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. Can you do? Can you ask your question quickly? Okay. Ask your question quickly, please. Hello, Bill. Yes, I'm here. Okay. Ask your question quickly, please. Turn your volume down. Volume is off. Okay, what's your question? My question is, is I've always believed that the Lord is a spirit, and the Mormons teach that he's a flesh and blood, and I, I have a problem with that. So do I. Do you have a problem with that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to, in closing, just comment on that. It goes back to the, the Holy Bible, Romans chapter 1. And it's and, and verse verse twenty three in Romans chapter one is pretty clear when you when you take the uncorruptible God which is the God of the universe like you said is is not a body of flesh and bones and when when Paul wrote to the Romans and said you take and turn this in uncorruptible God into a corruptible God the, the dictionary definition of corruptible is flesh and bones you're mm -hmm. you're decaying mm -hmm. uh, when Joseph Smith came in and says God is flesh and bones. Jesus, you know, this is all this, this separate and distinct individuals. Right. He's doing exactly what, what Paul said to the Romans they were doing. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, what follows? Read verse 24 in, in Romans 1. Mm -hmm. Then you, he turns you over to the lusts of the flesh. Mm -hmm. And, and bad it, things if, start If polygamy happening. isn't the lust of the flesh, I don't know what is. It, it definitely is that. And in Romans 8, we read that, uh, that we're supposed to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And yet they teach that polygamy, the very the polygamy itself teaches you how to be more Christ-like. Well, God, Jesus never <laughs> said that. No, no. You won't find that anywhere. It's, it's just a, a conundrum of, of uh, messed up thinking and... and passed down revelation and what's sad is that the people in the polygamy groups are born and raised in it they don't know to check it out they just believe what they've been told because yeah. um, anyway we're we are um, done with the phone calls now we are at the end of the show true I want to thank you so much for coming and sharing we didn't get it all said but we got most of it <laughs> most of it I think the main points came out it, it's uh, it's such a it's such a thing to work out and people listening to the show tonight Question everything. This is what question, I'm saying. And don't be out. afraid to question. Even though, even though you're file leader, 
might say you're on the road to high apostasy, as was told to me. Mm -hmm. I had to come back and say, well, so be it. I'm going to follow truth. You have to follow here. the truth. And, you know, we've talked a lot tonight about visions and revelations and authority given or not given to perform celestial marriages. But all this information is nothing when measured up to biblical truth. We're warned in the New Testament that in the end times people would follow every wind of doctrine and doctrine is demons. And we either have to hang on what men claim to or what Jesus said. Our spiritual safety is at stake. We must be able to discern the truth. Jesus said there is no eternal marriage. Matthew 19, 12, Jesus said there are people who choose to renounce marriage in order to spend their lives serving God. 1 Corinthians 7, 8 gives advice to the unmarried that it's good for them to remain single. So in light of this biblical proof and more, why does this culture insist on marriage of any kind as a condition for eternal life? And as for visions and signs and wonders, the Bible teaches that false signs and false miracles and false prophets would appear and would deceive many people. And we've seen that happen. We're warned that the devil and his servants appear as an angel of light to lead people astray from the simple truth of God's salvation in Jesus Christ alone. No method, no church, no practice brings eternal life. God's greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love Him. And the second greatest commandment, He said, is to love our neighbor. If celestial marriage is so great, why didn't Jesus say so? He had every opportunity. He's the Savior. He ought to know. Something's dreadfully wrong with the church that teaches marriage has something to do with eternal life. Don't believe it because Jesus Christ is our Savior and He doesn't need any help from us. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.